Uh, just before we fully begin, we would like to thank the um, original custodians of this land uh, in Australia, where me and Rizzi are, uh, and as well as Sean's uh, in America. It's third episode of Baiju Billabong, and it's me, Tamuel, and I'm with, as usual, Rizzi. Hey. And we also have a special guest today, uh, Sean Khan, um, a member of Chow Collective. So yeah, welcome, Sean. How are you today? Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah. Hey, Naz. It's all, it's, all, it's all quiet here so far. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, uh, as soon as the president starts rolling around, we're going to, we'll have another, we'll have another full day. Uh, you're in Texas, yeah? Oh. Um, I'm, I'm in the United States, but I'm no longer in Texas. But yeah, thank you so much for your Atlantic, what we would call land acknowledgement statement. Indeed, also, we in the United States have uh, the original custodians of the land. Of course, we have the movement land back going on right now when our uh, esteemed president decided to visit the Black Hills without the consent of the uh, original custodians of the land. But um, right. one more thing to keep track of. So where are you, where are you based right now? Uh, I'm in California, which uh, is all unceded land. So that's an, that's a small little detail. Okay. It must be a lot of indigenous groups in that area. Um, you know, I, I don't really know much about um, Native, um, you know, American people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the moment, we, we saw your um, talk um, with Chow, on, on Chow Collective. It was on Billy Billy for uh, around the Cold War. Yeah, that you was were pretty a, uh, damning on Americans on that side, seeing you, as you are born in America. Um, yeah. How come? That, uh, that 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 was that was something that Billy Billy talked. It was kind of amusing because you know Billy Billy has the uh, those uh, what's it called in English? I don't know what they're called in English. Those like kind of people can type in things and it kind of like flies across the screen. Yeah, well. yeah. What and uh, and uh, half of those were basically saying, "Is this guy from Australia?" <laughs> yeah, I thought you're from Malaysia when I heard the accent. Because you don't have that, like, because you told me you're from you're from near Houston or Dallas. Well, Texas, yeah, Central Texas, that area, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know, I can't tell the accent, but no, nobody, nobody can. But I think most people were doing it because I was like wearing like a, I think like a beanie and a, and a scarf because like uh because. People were like, well, uh, all the comments were like, well, don't you know it's winter in Australia right now? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, honestly, honestly, the beanie was because my hair, like four months in quarantine, my hair is not in the, not in presentable uh, uh, shape. So, <laughs> it was like Chow's first like major public appearance. I couldn't afford to make Chow look, uh, look like a... <laughs> Wait, Regan, do you get cold in Brisbane? Isn't that like sunshine uh, everywhere? Gold Coast nearby? Yeah, for me, if it if it hits twenty five degrees, I start getting cold and rugging up. I'm I'm weak for cold. <laughs> it's paradise up here. <laughs> yeah. But we have we have four weeks, but it's good now. It's perfect. Um, mm. Yeah, live as long dream. as you're keeping safe in Victoria, I know things are I know things are getting uh, hairy in that area. Yeah, it's um, just been stuck in my house for the last two weeks, but it's great. Just been eating a lot of ta- pad thai. Yes, yeah, but uh, so if people don't know, Regan's from Brizzy, which is like the north, which is at the, which is the south, like the south. <laughs> so it's hot. Right, right. It's like Florida. Right. It's hot. Yeah. Right, right. I'm at the I'm at the bottom of the of the redneck country, so um, it's it's bearable for everyone. But as soon as you step outside that little area, it gets pretty wild. Do you do you all say redneck as well? No, nah, we say bogan. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think I personally, I think Bogan's like a more of a suburban uh, type. I, I I guess no rednecks. Not no rednecks definitely an American word. But right. I think right. It's one that's that suits. I mean, I haven't I guess I haven't used that word in a while because it's like, like a working class thing, isn't it? Redneck, like because they use the word red ties, oh, yeah. like socialist miners. Actually, in America, is nowadays more like a, I, I, I think more of like a rural worker with redneck because the idea I think is because you're like out on the farm all day, so you you get a sun, you get a nasty sunburn on the back of your neck. Um, yeah, but it's been a while. It's, it's totally rural. It's it it's they're not the a real redneck in my image of America is not proletarian there are some sort of totally living off off their little plot of land in the, yeah. uh, yeah. in the hills socialism you know? with chinese characteristics they're you know agrarian <laughs> farmers 
Oh yeah, no, no, not not on that, not on that stand, not on that stand. No, uh, a redneck in America, unfortunately, like rightly or wrongly, does have quite a few uh, connotations attached to it. So, but I haven't, I haven't used the term in a while because, I mean, when I was in Texas, we would say every so often, but now, but now I'm elsewhere. I'm now in the urban core of the United States, so I have, uh, I have uh, other people to deal with now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys get together with Chow Collective or? You know, how did it begin? Uh, you know, I'm actually not too sure about the origins of the organization, but it did start like uh, how January of this year. It's very, it's a very young organization. For sure. Um, and it was mostly because of COVID, because of because of all the like, um, it kind of brought out the yellow scare and the you know and the yellow peril in the United States in droves. I mean, uh, not only that, but you even had like a. I mean, I will, I will never forget this. But you even had our elected, well, not elected, but you even had our officials, government officials, saying like, "Oh, this would be good for bringing back manufacturing jobs to the United States." So you basically had the United States government, at least a figure, openly saying he that he wants more Chinese people to die. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that. That backfired. Now. It, was the, it was in this context that uh, Chow Collective was formed, and then became a, and then um, I think it's they, I think they did start on Twitter, but then like then they kind of started, they kind of started from there. Um, but yeah, I know, um, I know they've been, it's been growing really quickly in the last few weeks, but uh, because I think people are frustrated with the with the dialogue, especially with especially uh, it, COVID has been like a really big trigger for a lot of things, mm, and I think absolutely. I think. I um I wouldn't be comfortable saying <laughs> that the that the Asian American diaspora has quite been I don't want to use this word but hasn't quite been woken up yet especially given the latest Twitter discourse on like Kamala Harris but uh oh, there's, there's definitely there's definitely, <laughs> definitely a demand for the kind of the kind of voice that Chow that Chow uh provides and I had to say like I remember when I first saw the saw them on Twitter like I gave them a follow because like they were saying some good stuff, and I was like, "Oh, you know, like I think this is, I think this is kind of the yeah, stuff you we just need." Contact them to join up, and but, uh, but yeah, I just basically just volunteered to join up, and um, um, uh, my first piece was that one about uh, uh, that translation piece about poverty alleviation. So that was my first oh, contribution wow. okay. to uh, to to Chow Collective, and then I translated. Since then, I translated like two more, and like uh, spoke on spoke on behalf of Chow. I think different uh different events and that's kind of my role that's kind of my role at this point obviously uh you probably saw that Chow got a new a um uh, uh graphic update so there's a lot of like good stuff going on mm, um, you were hiring i saw yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. so uh i mean we can always we can always use more people of course because because uh, uh you know that's a thing like uh, when I saw last week, should I be recording this by the way? Because given what happened with Isabel Cockerell, right? So people like Isabel Cockerell are uh, are oh, paid yeah. are paid to do this kind of stuff <laughs> by by the yeah. NEG, no less. Uh, while um, I have translated three three pieces so far. My my first one was in what June? Yeah, late June. So it's early August now, and I've pumped out what three articles, mm-hmm. honey. Nice. As, I would love, I would love to be paid so I could, I could focus on this full time. <laughs> yeah, but he's too busy studying Xinjiang, you know. God. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yes. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't take time to study Xinjiang. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we have a, a belief on this podcast that at any time you could, you could go and get the big bucks by saying what uh, those. What the the big media companies want to hear, and we we believe anyone who is um, you know, saying something a little bit different is Absolutely. is a lot of integrity in I in 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 my in my. We praise those people. Account. Yeah, I mean, look at yeah. Aramate. He was working for like the nation. Yeah. Working with Grayzone. He's he's standing up for the the small people. Mm-hmm. And the rest of yeah. Grayzone crew crew as well. You know. All good-looking guys, as we said before, <laughs> and girls. Yeah, I mean, we and like we have a, we have a lot of Vicky Shields in the United States, rest assured. <laughs> so oh, I'm Vicky sure shoes. Oh, Vicky Shoes. <laughs> I'll sure about that. Like, like what Melissa Chan and Jennifer Tsung, like uh, every so often you see kind of their takes on stuff. Oh, oh, what was the other? Guy? Was it the guy who wrote the Sympathizer? I can't believe I forgot his name. Um, even he had something to say about like Chinese imperialism, so that was like, 
Um, that was something. Okay. It was a Pulitzer Prize in the in United States. He's a Vietnamese American diaspora. Oh, I think it's it, it is. Oh, really? I think I think it's Viet Thanh. So like and then even even he like maybe like a year or two ago has something to say about Chinese imperialism. So it's it's very easy. It's very easy as an Asian American to uh to go down uh to go down that path. <laughs> but um the, the, but road, yeah. the road that's taken. Who's that? Wasn't that the American poet guy, Robert Frost? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what happened to that, you know? Yeah, we had to learn <laughs> that in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's the United States for you. I mean, um, the the um, the we're, we're, everybody likes to say the belly of the beast, right? But uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a potent media uh, media media landscape. I I understand that Australia wasn't really that heavily affected by the Sinophobia until like really recently, like maybe maybe starting two years ago. Well, I mean, I know Sinophobia has always been like a Sinophobia, you know? yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. What right. do you say, Regan? Like. Maybe 2015. Oh, it's always kind of been there. No, well, no, actually, Sinophobia is has been with Australia since the very beginning. Oh, and you know, you're from Brisbane. Intricately wound. It's the foundation of this of this country is based on Sinophobia, um, because from the very beginning there was uh, Chinese immigrants working gold mines and right. stuff. Right. Um. It so. The Lemming but, riots. So but it's, riots. it's it's never yeah. it's it's never been like it's it's been like an economical race economic racism rather than like a um you know slurs in the street or I I would imagine that oh I, I think at the beginning it, there was a lot of slurs like there was um anti miscegenation laws so Chinese people couldn't marry white people at the start mm. uh, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, and there was also those um, the law where Chinese were about to pay extra tax, like a whole. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there was those sort of um, you know, Chinese people used to just get bashed up and take their stuff taken. No one cared. That's why most. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, something like fifteen yeah. percent of the population in Victoria used to be Chinese. Now it's like, it's starting to catch up again, actually. But that's after a hundred something years. But yeah, re- we actually. Re- uh, no, well, I was just thinking. Today I realized the original uh, Chinatown in Brisbane was in the city, and then there was some sort of uh, anti-Chinese riot, and mm-hmm. it was destroyed. And it's now in Fortitude Valley, which is a part of like the clubbing district. So right. where's that? Like, is that it, still in the city or? Well, the Fortitude Valley is like it's 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 neighboring the city. It's it's the next suburb along. Oh. Um, That's interesting. So it's like, yeah, I think uh, in the United States, uh, an oft, at least among Asian Americans, because I think I think an oft stated fact was that the the mass the, the 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 largest mass lynching in the United States history was actually in Los Angeles against uh, Chinese immigrants. Um, oh wow! So um, I had to verify that. I I mean, it's said quite often. I'm not, and, and I never bothered to check. Go me. Wasn't there the San Francisco uh, one as well? Like the were there laundry mats or something? Laundry mats getting burnt down or something? I, I'm not too familiar in the specifics of that, but I do know that I mean the entire West Coast, California has has committed genocide against Chinese people. Like yeah. as in like it was an actual pogrom of um, either killing or deporting Chinese people, and not and and not the by Chinese Exclusion Act as well. Whatever you call exactly. that. Exactly. Um, and I know Berkeley Law, I think, yeah, um, had um, just removed the name from their law school of a guy who had, what, literally called for the extermination of the Chinese people if they couldn't get them out what? of the country. Berkeley, so, that's like all Asian, that school. But that's the, yeah. I think, you know, to me, that's, that's institutions like Berkeley Law in a nutshell. Is, uh, they, were, yeah. they were, first of all, that, that, that had been there for ages, right, since like the, 19, since like the early 1900s, I think. Um, and second of all, that they made such a big fuss of it when they finally, uh, when they finally uh, took the name down as if it's some great victory. <laughs> uh, just... I, mean, I mean, they just, they literally just took it down like maybe January, February of this year. And then of course, like COVID happened. And then what did Berkeley do for, for, for well, COVID? Yeah, Regan's from a place which is close to Ipswich, which is where Pauline Hansen, who's really famous for hating Chinese people, is from. Yeah, her thing was Asians are... Uh, forming sort of ghetto communities within the cities um but there is a couple of suburbs in brisbane that have you know an asian population be uh vietnamese or chinese 
maximum 15 20% um and they they vibrant suburbs to be honest mm. she she had yeah uh yeah. But there was swamped by Asians. That's what she said. That's yeah. Queen, <laughs> Queensland's different to the rest of Australia in that most of the other states in Australia have have one large city, and then there's just the rest of the state, which is quite empty. But Brisbane, relative to the rest of Queensland, is not quite as big. We have lots of other cities like Rockhampton, Mackay, Townsville, Gold uh, Coast, and then and now Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. So they don't have that cosmopolitan feel that most of these capital cities have. So there's yeah. always been a very, uh, well, it's, you know, nationalistic, racist sort of basis that's always pulled about 20% of the of the vote yeah. in Queensland. Yeah, was it in the 90s when they had a state election and pulling hands at like a quarter of the entire Queensland's parliament or something? She had the balance of power, yeah, for like it was such a short period. They <laughs> They, they, what they did is they stole all her policies and then they ended up putting her in jail. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. And after, she actually went to jail and afterwards she was found to um, to have been put there uh, wrongly. <laughs> but um, they took her policies, you know. And oh. they, yeah, the Liberal Party people. The, so liberals <laughs> are like the centre-right party in our country. Right. No, no, no surprise there. <laughs> Now, I bring up the Sinophobia because, believe it or not, um, uh, I had the privilege of going through A.G. and Zen's bibliography the other day. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then I actually, you know, I was reading through his stuff from 2014, 2015, that range, of his early work about Xinjiang. But, you know, actually, it's not unreasonable. It's a um, par and course for foreign affairs to say that. Uh, he noticed that there's an uptick in police spending in Xinjiang, and so he's concerned mm. about the securitization. I mean, that's true. Yeah, It's true, right? I mean, to me, it doesn't really mean much coming from somebody co- sitting comfortably in his living room in an in a imperial core country, but uh, but it's true. Uh, so see how that's actually not, uh, that's not actually irrational or off-the-walk off, off the um, conspirational. Um, and I thought I thought maybe I'm just too tired, but actually I found a, I found a treat from Ian Goodroom, from early 2018, and he says much the same thing. He says, uh, Adrian Zenz might have his biases, as do we all, but he raises good points. So there's actually is a time before, uh, it's hard to it's hard to believe now, but there was actually a time where it wasn't um, 100% anti-China. Even, even people went like the deep me. end. And right. yeah, it started calling genocide on everything, and yeah. Well, it's funny because Ian Goodwin was rebuking, like, say, like, oh, the, Ch- the China is forcing forcing Muslims to drink uh, alcohol in Xinjiang, uh, and uh, you know, I just I remember kind of rolling my eyes at that at that at that time. But man, like, uh, what I wouldn't give now for for simpler times. Um, well, this or this will change about yeah. halfway through 2019 with the Hong stuff, Hong Kong stuff. Right. Actually, that, I, I, when I was retracing the events, uh, because the concentration camp narrative came out in August 2018, uh, which with that oh, with, right. with that committee on the elimination of racial discrimination meeting, okay. uh, and uh, it was actually shortly after um, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo took office as uh, as Secretary of State in April of 2018. Mm-hmm. So I think oh, it, I, that I makes a lot of sense. I suspect maybe it might be connected because, in fact, Adrian Zenz's first um, first uh, suggestions of getting onto the re-education issue was after Pompeo took took office. Now it would be an insult, of course, to suggest that's the only reason. I'm sure the man has been oh, has yeah. been casted his eye on that for a long time before. But his it is true that Adrian Zenz's first report about re-education or, or education, whatever you want to call it, was after mm-hmm. Secretary Pompeo Secretary of State Pompeo took office, and of course, so did the I think so did the Chinese Human Rights Defender report, the one that the infamous one that's based on like eight oh, people. Yeah. That was after. That was also after Pompeo took office. Um, and like no one needs to be reminded that Pompeo was former CIA director and is very proud to have lied, cheated, and stole. Yeah, contra- that's yeah, very famous. And in, in contravention of his West Point creed, as he himself said so, uh, as posted on the department, department, State Department's video of his climate. Yeah. Just, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, I'm not so foolish as to say it's all connected, but, like, it is quite fishy. It, I mean, it's like the, you know, 
amalgamation of like Cartman plus Hitler, basically. But um, <laughs> let's 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 talk about um, the, the 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 alcohol thing. You know, the, right. as, as you've probably said before, it's very stupid the whole thing. Like right. you go to Xinjiang, they have like Xinjiang black beer. It's brewed by Uyghurs. It's been, right. you know, they've had like all types of alcohol made thousands of years in that yeah. area. Oh yeah, definitely. And like anybody who's been to Central Asia in any part, and not just Xinjiang, but like say like uh, I don't know, like uh, anywhere from basically like Khorasan and Iran to to uh, to Xinjiang, that 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 giant stretch, basically wherever Persian New Year is celebrated, Nowruz. Like, I mean, do people? I mean, just like ten years ago, Rumi was the talk of the town. Remember? I, well, in America at least, like everyone everyone loved Rumi because he was writing poems about love. Oh and, yeah. But like these Persian poets have been talking about getting drunk and loving, loving, loving many people for like <laughs> for, for like thousand, well yeah, for like a thousand years. <laughs> their, their biggest influence was in Central Asia. Like alcohol drinking is very much an indigenous um, practice and indigenous industry that's been fueling their economy for thousands of years. I don't. Just look at the photos. Even if you like read about you know the Mongols um, now, like a lot of them are Muslim. And they drink, still drink like fermented hip, um, mare's milk. That's alcoholic. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, and plus all those videos are fake anyway, because you can see they're not even being forced. They're drinking out of their own. They're just partying. Oh, but you know, like, the, like the, the, the CPC, oh, sorry, CCP cadre is like outside the camera holding a pistol to their face. and they have to You better drink that free alcohol. <laughs> you know, let's like, it's, I mean, what's, oh, just what's, what's so frustrating about these kind of commentators? I mean, like, we're talking pre-2018 here, but still like, what's so frustrating is that a lot of people who clearly don't know even just Central Asia as a, as a very broad region, uh, are, are the ones who are like re- advancing all this, all the, all this uh, talk, um, and they're enabled by all the all the kind of like uh, nativist informants or like so like the 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 Melissa Chan and Jennifer Sungs of the world, who kind of take themselves on to be authorities on a region they've never actually been to, um, which is yeah. frustrating. Um, and like even so, like even when they interview like uh, the 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 or the Xinjiang concentration camp survivors, you know, they dress them up to be like hijab and all because they want yeah, to, yeah. They, they, don't want wear, to that, they, they want to build like a Muslim front against, um, against, uh, against China. But I mean, again, just go to central Asia. Like the, the, I mean, of course there's hijab provisions and people will, uh, to the, to the degree that the countries will allow the freedom of expression through clothing. I mean, they'll wear the hijab if they want to, but the traditional clothing of the region is a lot more um, liberal than the stereotypical Saudi Arabian uh, garb. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's a basic, that's basic historical fact. You can look at the paintings from the, from the contemporary time period. You can, uh, you can go to the country itself and see like all the Pamiris or the, all the, all the Uzbeks dressing not in hijab or dancing. Um, you know, it's a, you know, I it's it's kind of naked what they're what they're trying what they're trying to angle with that and it's and part of it is uh predicated on like people's ignorance of Central Asia much yeah, less yeah. Much, much less Islam as a whole. Like when you I told mean, me that um Farsi and Dari was it and Tajik is like yeah. basically the same language. I was just I didn't even know that. Like I was like whoa that makes a lot oh, of sense though. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh yeah that's a that's his own issue because um uh, because you know you can't even get people in the United States to, to they always ask me. Oh, you speak Farsi? Is it Farsi or Persian? Uh, and it is actually, uh, you know, it sounds kind of a name, but like, uh, it actually is a complicated question because the uh, the State Department does consider Farsi, Dari, and Tajiki to be three different languages. But um, but they're how similar are they? You see, here's the thing: at a higher register, you know what I mean by register, right? So if 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 Imam Ali Rahman, the president of Tajikistan, went on TV and gives a speech like he always does. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can understand that just knowing Farsi pretty okay. Um, because it's like a different accent? Is that it? or It's accent and it's also vocabulary choice. Um, but once you get to like the street level of like Tajiki, um, it's a lot different from the street level of Farsi. And that's why... Yeah. That's why... Uh, they say a lot of American students who go to Tajikistan to study, they can't study in Iran for obvious reasons. They can't study in Afghanistan for obvious reasons. So they, so the United States usually sends students to Tajikistan to study Persian when there's not a pandemic going on. Uh, so one of the one of the complaints that's always being had is that oh, this is not really Farsi. 
and a lot of people want to focus on Iranian Persian because that's where they, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's where the Department of Defense is, <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, but the, they can't really practice the Farsi in Tajikistan, which is true. Because again, if you talk to like an educated Tajik Tajikistani person in yeah. Farsi, it's likely they can interface with you no problem. But if you talk to just some person on the street, like just to get like non or just to get like uh, kurutab, is it uh, like um, British English and like Scottish? And the Scottish oh, are like it's like kind of I mumbling. More different. I think even more different than that. Like, oh, okay. Even when I was there for in Tajikistan for a year, is it like um, Mandarin? Then you got Sichuanese Mandarin, which sounds like think, really weird, but it I still yeah, sounds the same. I really feel like it's a little bit less the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese. Because okay. uh, I speak both Mandarin and Cantonese. Cantonese is quite different in almost every regard. Like, even the same word sounds very different sometimes between Mandarin, Mandarin and Cantonese. Cantonese are very different, though. What about Dari and Farsi? Are they different at all? Or? They're pretty different, too. Um, I'm not as familiar with Dari. Um, but I imagine it's a, it's, a, it's a similar dynamic in terms of, like, in terms of like a lot of street-level words will be different. But the, I think do they, the dip- do they share the same media? Are they watching the same movies and listen to yeah. the same music? Or? Like how we do with England and stuff. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I can yeah. tell. I don't think I can tell you that. I can only say that Iran definitely does not share the same media with Tajikistan. Which actually Tajikistan right. a lot a lot of there's like when I was there there was like three major three major platforms and one of them was Radio Free Europe. So like. <laughs> uh, it's uh and that's actually before i even knew like what radio free was like i'm actually really ashamed of myself for reading so much of that uh reporting i mean sh- i mean okay let's be, yeah, let's they, be they frank. Just, like, radio, uh, there was music on there right say again like, what's there's, the music there's, like there's, yeah. the music was oh, good oh, i guess oh, that's, oh, that's what i would say it's, i would say it's quite different because like in uh in iran like it's for lack of a better word there's more masriki influence i don't like to say middle east but like you know like influence from like iraq and that, that, that kind of area uh you i think you can tell the difference if you look if you listen between um between iranian and tajiki tajiki yeah, music because tajikistan's like, right between well right next to xinjiang right so right surely there'll xinjiang. be a lot of uh and like, much closer and much closer to the indian subcontinent so uh, when you look at it, when you listen and look at oh, a lot yeah, of the yeah. instruments and like traditional tajiki music including badakhshani music like palmyri music they will remind you a lot of Indian sounds, Indian timbres, and oh, Indian. Yeah. Uh, so you don't quite hear that as much in Iranian music, but in Tajikistan, they're of course very proud of Badakhshan because oh, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, oh, Badakhshan. Half, it's half their land. It's half their land area with one percent of an ethnic minority policy, uh, population. So uh, they also have they also have restive uh, borderland issues from time to time. Uh, but yeah, they're very proud of that. So they they make sure to really incorporate a lot of Badakhshani influence into their own uh, folk music which only makes sense i mean because it's right there right so yeah, even definitely, even definitely. cynical politics aside so um yeah that's why like when you if you ever go on douyin and like there there are like at least two channels specifically focused on tashkogan tajik autonomous uh uh county um the you'll notice the music sounds a lot different from even say like Kashgar or 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 or, or, or like the Tarim Basin. Yeah, because uh, I, I always think look at the map. You see, because you go from Xinjiang and you go west, it's Tajikistan or Afghanistan. Right. So surely, because you know it's kind of a crossroads. Is there are they culturally right. similar to Uyghurs or? So here's the thing. Uh, when I was in Tajikistan, I actually did study a little bit of Uzbek. That's why I told you I could I could I can I can read I can read out uh, Uyghur script. Um, and I know like the basics of Uyghur words because I studied actually a little bit of Uzbek. In my, I once asked my Uzbek teacher this. I asked, "Hey, like, can you?" I I, I saw that Uzbek and Uyghur they're of the same like a language family, like even like, within the Turkic, even, even even within the Turkic Turkic languages, they are the same branch. So I asked, "Could you could you talk to could you talk to Uyghurs?" And this person told me, "Actually, yeah. When I come across them in the bazaar, we can talk as if there's no problem." Um, so, um, th- I would say there's a, there's an especial, like, there's an especial linguistic link, at least, between, like, Uzbeks and Uyghurs. They can interface almost without any problem, uh, which is quite, uh, quite fascinating. And I think, uh, I think the Uzbek, Tajik, Uyghur kind of, like, sprachbund, because Tajik actually does use a few Uzbek words here and there, too, uh, does kind of show a little bit of a, little bit of a wider cultural area. I would say that uh, based on my limited understanding, but I would say that um, they, 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 there's an affinity there. For Have sure. you read anything like, you know, when you travel to China, there's like Uyghur books or Uyghur music? There, 
Because I don't know what they're saying yeah, at all. Yeah. They're, they're actually quite common, Regal books. Uh, I'm sure Regal music too, but uh, I didn't quite hear it when I was around. I think you had to, you'd have to be in like Xinjiang. Because they have Uyghur TV channels in Xinjiang as well. Yeah, oh, Uyghur yeah. Uh, actually, Uyghur it's, everything. Yeah. It's, it's called Yurtun, right? That is that what the one you're yeah, talking Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm not too Yurtun? sure. It's actually kind of interesting because I, I I was trying to look into Yurtum. They kind of they kind of a black hole, which is like always sketchy. But like I think Yurtum is Chinese, but they broadcast to the Uyghur community abroad as well. And Yurtum actually means my homeland in Uyghur language. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think they're Chinese, but I couldn't find too much about them. But yeah, Uyghur uh, Uyghur media is actually very common. When I was in Beijing, just just literally just pre COVID, like COVID was running around Wuhan when I was in Beijing in yeah. January. Uh, so like I went to a bookstore because I, I love I love bookstores and um I there's there's an entire section for Minzu Shue, like you know, like study of ethnic minorities. Um and then you know you can find plenty of Uyghur language books completely in Uyghur. No 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 Chinese in them whatsoever. And I picked one up, uh it, it was nicely made from 2011. Um and I read out I, again I can't read Uyghur but I can pick up the words. Uh, based on my Persian knowledge and based on uh, based on my experience in Russian knowledge, because because there's a lot of Russian words in Uyghur actually. Oh really? Uh, but anyways, like yeah, and then because Soviet influence, we, you can have a whole talk about that too. But I think Karl Zam might be more qualified for that. So uh, so uh, when I was in a yeah, I was reading out sounding out this book, and I could pick out that author name. I think it was Tursun Udmish or something like that. Uh, it was a book about. The Uyghur Mukam tradition, which is a little bit overhyped within China, I will I will concede readily. But uh, yeah, it's a book about Mukam, uh, which is a musical tradition in in the in uh, among the Uyghur people. And then I actually even made out the publishing information, which was Xinjiang Polytechnic uh, Press. Um, and um, that's kind of when I got thinking, huh? You know, um, I cannot actually think of a time that I was in say like Washington D.C. and I come across a book completely in like an indigenous language. By an indigenous press, like it's a publishing a book is a multi-stage process, right? Mm, yeah. So the fact that the fact that like it's probably not that profitable in China to have an only Uyghur book without at least without a bilingual edition, right? But here it is, like an entire book in Uyghur. I mean, Uyghur. I, I bought some of those Minzu books before. Books. I bought some Hui history books, right? But of course, Hui read Chinese as well, so oh. I didn't notice there was a difference. Um, th- that's interesting because they always right, talk right, about right, 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 right. the language thing being like genocide. Um, on China's side, but China's actually seems to be trying harder yeah. than America, who's actually letting just letting out the indigenous languages die out. And yeah, yeah it's, it's super critical. Really there. frustrating for me personally because uh, because you said there's a lot of native groups in California. I actually I actually kind of hesitated when you said that. Uh, can you still hear me, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Regan, are you there? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can you hear me? So yeah, it's really frustrating for me personally as 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 a citizen of the United States because uh, in this dialogue right now, cultural genocide especially coming from fellow Americans, because it's like, hey, uh, you should know what a genocide is. You should know what a cultural genocide is because yeah. you're literally in the world's <laughs> biggest perpetrator of that. If you had, if you spend even half the energy you spend uh, criticizing China or like condemning China on, on cultural genocide of Uyghurs, we could get so much done about getting federal funding for indigenous language revival or even just like making sure they don't, encroach on their land for corporate interests. And I'm like, not sure if they, they fund... The they pipeline, fund... you know, the pipeline yeah. in Dakotas is going through sacred land and, like, affecting yeah. water for, for people. They the, the judge the judge halted the construction and the company is still building it. Like, where's the attention on that? I, I, I see so much more attention. I see John Oliver talking about Xinjiang, but we have we have a genocide going on right now. Like, this, this pipeline yeah. is affecting the water of a people without prior consultation or, or shoddy that consultation. That is exactly the, the painful and, thing yeah, is that's how it is in Australia as well. Yeah, 100%. Because we have a, a total colonial project going here, which is taking the land as much as possible so we can dig out the minerals underneath, you know. Right. So, and, and you know, to say that's what about <laughs> is that you can, you can condemn both sides. It's like, yes, true, but you're a citizen of the United States. You have more agency over Dakota pipeline access than you do over Xinjiang. Like, I mean, all said and done, what can you do about Xinjiang? Isn't China, like, unless unless the United States takes over China and topples the government, there's not much you can do about it. But you can you can, you can can go out and and hold, like, the Dakota <laughs> Access Pipeline accountable to the to the Sioux people, like, here and yeah. now. Yeah. You know, you have 
you have impact as a United States citizen in that. You even have more impact over Ryukyu or like they say Okinawa because the United States military is there with the with the with because Jap because Japanese government which has long like which has long genocided Ainu language and also is trying to eliminate eliminate the Ryukyuan languages. It's because Japan says build in Okinawa. We don't want you in Japan, Japanese mainland. Yeah, I mean so, Japan yeah. is definitely. I'll put a point in. They're definitely the number one like. Want, what what the most fascist and all right wings want to be because they're, they're the country that can actually actively deny war crimes and still be proud of the culture of like the yeah. nationalist part of the culture I mean that's that's the dream for all the like super right they seem to have got away with yeah. it for yeah <laughs> and they can always say you're hurting my feelings you're putting a comfort women statue to remember all the victims of rape I'm like that's fucked up man yeah, like sure. and they then they can dump all the reparations on basically their yellow indigenous groups like the Okinawa and Ryuku or Ainu yeah right right oh, Ainu yeah it's, it's funny oh, I, that, like, in, in yeah, some, certain on, online, people might think that Japan is, like, they say it's a successful country because it's homogenous, you know? Yeah. They've done, like, they've done such a good job at erasing all these other fucking voices. Like, even karate is, like, Japanese now, but it was Okinawa in the first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh for real? It's from Okinawa, yeah. 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 So, so a lot of their culture, I mean, Okinawa, the only way that, that Japan could trade with China was through Okinawa for hundreds of years. So they right. basically hid that they were in control of Okinawa or like bullying them for like right. 300 years. It was like a really fucked up situation, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying though. Like China's not perfect, of course. I think you would be the first in line to to yeah. to point out his faults. But like, I mean, even just not too long ago, 2016, there's all these. There were there were several articles from 2010 to 2016 about the women only mosques in Hui and the women imams in Hui culture. And like, it's funny because um, the NPR, NPR no less had an article and the last sentence was, so women, women imams actually do not face the biggest struggle from the state because they have a lot of state support, but from free market economics. So it was a different time where they were really trying to portray China as like a ruthlessly capitalist uh, country. Yeah. And that, that was good. And, and that was what's going to, what's going to do in the, uh, do in the culture, distinct cultural practices of the Hui people. Now it's like the Chinese government is geno- culturally genociding Uyghurs when like literally, uh, four years ago, it was oh, Chinese government is actually trying to do a lot to preserve minority cultures. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. there's another point. I I really doubt that the U.S. government funds mosques in um America, but like uh, as you've been to the mosque, my family um, set up. Oh yeah, thanks for the pointer. That, that, that was that that's mostly funded these days. Maintenance is by the Chinese government, and they're building more mosques um, if the demand there is increases, and China's built so many mosques. While well, they keep making these stories about mosques being taken taken down, but the numbers don't add up because there's been over like three thousand mosques in the last um, since the last decade, and it just doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. Right. And you know, a lot of the historically historically historical ones are of course still standing. Maybe they get a renovation, but like these are uh, historically large mosques can get can get like really packed on the holidays. Like I think mm. um, I think somebody on Twitter posted a photo of the Dongguan Grand Mosque in in, uh, in Xining, Qinghai. On Ada Kurban or Ada Apa, um, and it was yeah. you know, and the entire neighbor, the entire block. You know how tiny cities are set up. The entire block is just like packed. Like yeah, that's because uh, for, especially Hui Chinese, it's kind of like being, you know, Christian in the Western countries. Like they only go on like Easter or Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So when it's eight or anything like that, that's when the Hui actually does go. When they and they actually put on their little caps and like oh. Right. They <laughs> get out their suits or their like you know supreme jumpers and pretend to be Muslim for that day. That's what keeps right. happening, and they just get packed. Then the usual numbers. Right, 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 right. No, no so like, but yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> I was in Qinghai, when I was in Qinghai, you know, like uh, just just this last year. Um, it's a it's an interesting place. I really I really I really like Xining. It's a it's a low low key kind of out of the way place. So not as many not as many tourists. Like once you get to Tower Monastery, the major uh, yellow hat monastery in the area, like. It's a it's rated 5A by the Chinese government, so there's appropriately like a lot of tourists there, and that was annoying. But the city itself, yeah. it's, the the city itself was actually quite uh, livable. I was really pleased with Xining, and like uh, they had really good places to like just stop and have tea, or um, or they have a wonderful bookstore there. I was, Is that next to the lake? That one or not? Yeah, it's the one that's next to the what the, the the namesake, the Qinghai Lake, and it. Yeah, Qinghai Lake. Is, is the sea right next to it, like Xining, or is it not? Because it's yeah, like a huge lake. Like, I would say like two, three hours away from it. Definitely um, on the calendar. 
the next if we yeah. ever can go yeah. out of Australia. I as soon as the borders open. Yeah, we're there. gonna do the Jerry trip. Me and Regan gonna go down to Gansu and whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's right. There's a yellow hat monastery in Gansu as well called the Labuan Monastery. It's definitely worth a visit. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's a cultural crossroads because you got um Tibetans there. Definitely. You got Salas. You got the Bowanzu, which is the probably the most saddest name you can get because it literally means security guard right right right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was i was looking at that i was wondering where they get the name from but uh yeah no gan i was really surprised at the religious diversity of gan of uh, southern gansu it really yeah. is like uh you know and it's kind of nestled away in the hills kind of area but there's like a lot of Hui, there's a lot of tibetan there's a lot of uh all sorts of cultures just mixing and religions are mixing that's the thing about that stretch between Qining and Gansu and Qinghai in general, it's um it's very religiously diverse. I actually have not seen anything like it before. Road. Like, right, and road. like yeah. even United States, you know, we are, we're so proud of diversity, right? But when you're in Xining, like people are actually wearing their yeah. religious garb, like they're openly yeah, they wear hijabs there, yeah. Right, they're openly expressing their religious affiliation, and like everybody, like there's a lot of religions in the city, so. Um, I don't actually see that in the United States. I don't see people being so open about the. Well, you see all those videos of like Karens attacking people for speaking Spanish or like, yeah, you know, wearing yeah. hijab. So probably why. Yeah, you know. So, but in yeah. Xining, if you ever go, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, there's a there's actually a diversity of clothing, which I would say is pretty underrated in terms of like kind of observing a society. Because yeah, when you really think about it, there's not actually too much diversity of clothing in most cases. Usually just the no, women. No, that's rare. Like in, in like a global South country. Yeah. everyone's just sort of modern core kind of. yeah everything's just kind of get melted down into t-shirts and shorts which i mean it is what it is it is comfortable actually i've found the fashion in china is is it's quite mainstream everyone's sort of dressed the same mm. i guess in the seas bit but like i get like in certain in, in australia like we have subcultures of styles and stuff i didn't see that as much oh they do it's China. like the otaku anime you were in uh, yeah. Yunnan, right? Um, in the big cities, maybe. Yeah. You were in Yunnan, were you? Or... Oh, no. I haven't been to Yunnan yet. But oh, no, I've been... I mean, Rizzi. Re- uh, oh, I've sorry. been Guangzhou, uh, Chengdu, and Kunming, yeah. So uh-huh. I haven't been to the big cities. So I guess it's pretty much cosmopolitan there. They're both big cities. But, um, yeah. Guangzhou also has a long-standing uh, African and uh, is, uh, Muslim population. Yeah, I was, yes. actually, I, was my, actually there, I was actually there as well in that. I think in that, my tenth great grandfather or something was he did he did like the writing for the mosque there the the huge one what's called um I can't remember the name yeah yeah but you know what's really you know what really caught me about you know international relation international affairs like maybe April or so like remember that Guangzhou racism incident and like oh yeah. yes. Everybody was very eager. Everybody jumped on it. They were like, China's racist, China's anti-black, blah, blah, blah. But the problem, what got lost in, of course, the hubbub was, um, chi- like, Chinese central government got involved and, like, resolved the problem in, like, two weeks, within two weeks. And, like, met, yeah. with, met with the African Union, met with local African community leaders, and, like, set up a system of, like, inf- information just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And, like, literally, literally, I kid you not, literally half a month later after the resolution had an issue, the United States police kills the son of a Gambian diplomat. Can you believe it? Mm. Let's not talk about George right. Floyd either. I mean, that, that happens, you know, in a month later. And it's just... Yeah, seriously. And yeah. Can you believe it? I was, uh, I was really, uh, not really worried, but because it happens every year, but I was, I was kind of gearing up for the annual, like, China's a monster. When will they talk about tenement? Uh, June 4th uh, hate session. Oh, was, yeah. So, but then the George Floyd, actually, the, the first George Floyd purchase was, I think, June 3rd. So actually, right. tenement got raised on year because that it just got completely overshadowed. I mean, of course, they still pushed it, but it got overshadowed by George Floyd really quickly, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, well, they did push it. I mean, they established a new country room, but on the day, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going really well. I hear. Like, uh, I think it was your tweet that said that they lost half the population because Steve Bannon got exiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turns out they have. They just basically recruit all Falun Gong to their country, so. Apparently they have a giant Discord server, like l- legit, like fifty thousand people. On it. I don't, oh, really? I don't we need to know. get in there. <laughs> What's the I actually, it? I've never been on Discord or any of that shit, so I because I don't really game that sort of way. I don't, I don't know. I just <laughs> kind of need... imagine though, like, because everyone in Falun Gong is like ninety-five. 
He's just like uh, one of his five-year-old grannies on like this gamer gamer talking app. Ugh. I know Falun Gong is a favorite topic on this on this emerging podcast, but yeah, they're they're present in the United States as well. I was driving in the middle of rural Texas once, like literally middle of nowhere. Like you can see the stars middle of nowhere, like no no highway light middle of nowhere, and in the distance a light appears, and it's like Shenyun. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 like 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 actually dancing there or like yeah. like in the middle of the desert or something or it was like the middle of like the texan texan woodlands like i, I had just taken my friend to uh to hiking in the in, in the in the middle of central texas and we were driving on the way back to austin um so it was the woodlands and like i kid you not like yeah you can see the stars kind of middle of nowhere like literally just stopped at the gas station just the only light along and uh, like several miles out and um Sure enough, the Shenyun advertisement was right there, as if I needed to look at it while I was refueling my car. <laughs> Man, they, they just stay everywhere. You can't, yeah, you can't get rid you of them. You can't escape it. It's like that's why the the funny to me the funniest uh, black hole meme when they first photographed the black hole was <laughs> the one where they zoom in and they see the Shenyun <laughs> advertisement in there because you know God, <laughs> God forbid they would actually do that. <laughs> Everything is Shenyun, man. Everything. It's, um, you know, I had a friend who watched it once and they said it was awful and like they, they summarized it for me so I didn't have to watch it. They, they told me, uh, you know, a long time ago China had culture and then the communists ruined everything. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and you paid what, like 90, I think. No, it's subsidized, right? You get really cheap tickets for it, I think. Yeah, because it's, it's basically propaganda. I mean, it, it just looks like one grade above square dancing grandmas. So... <laughs> And, you know, I, you know, ever since I heard you on the first episode, I wanted to address this. Like, yes, yes, it is in- incredibly corny for Chinese propaganda to push people dancing on a town square. I get it. I, I, I also think, I also think it's very cringe. But it's also true, but, though, I guess. But, but it's also true. And I have to say, if I was ever, if I ever seen uh, an Ohlone powwow on, in Union Square, in San Francisco, or like. Or like a uh, or like a Tongva powwow, Tongva gathering in uh, in um, in Los Angeles is uh, square of the people. Well, Wait, you know they do I that think... in they do that in San Fran as well. The the dance. They don't. That's not, they do, they oh, do that. You know the if, only time if you're, if like you're traveling in another country and you see a bunch of people dancing and one of them's like, hey, can we join in? You know, like yeah, you'd love I mean, that. That's funny, a perfect like, yeah, moment. But like, but like, true, what I'm true. saying is like, I don't see indigenous presence in American cities. Like. For real. But like when you're in Xi'an, like don't even go as far west as Xinjiang, right? Like Xi'an, like Hui people. Go down the city center, Right. And it's not Chinese music. You can listen to the music, it's not Chinese being spoken. Whereas whereas but the only like, well, is like oh, okay fine 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 it's, but it's really bad mandarin i mean no offense to my xian mates okay <laughs> okay fine but like but like you know what i you know what i mean right i think i saw once a, an, an indigenous group dancing in los angeles public square but it was like a one-time thing like a one-time event yeah Whereas, i mean they're organic the grandmas are organic but I, what is just annoying it's like you know they're always showing videos of weekends dancing but the thing is like when you hang out because I, I grew up with the Uyghur community right um, right, right. They do dance a lot, and it's a thing. But they, like, it, it gets really annoying because people don't know that, and when they see it, they're like they're thinking Chinese people are forcing them to dance because of their lack of understanding. Uh, yeah. It's like they have to get like you know AK-47s outside, it's like dance, dance. Like, yeah. but I, but I swear, dude, I, 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 I've been looking at these videos, and I think there's, I, I think there's one man there who just really loves the attention. He's always there. I swear, like a one old guy with the long beard. Yeah, and he's like always dancing there, and like I, I you know either he really enjoys it, or I don't I don't know, but it's just kind of funny that he's like literally always there. <laughs> I see him in like almost every cash card video. It's really funny. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, the guy with like the ten cameras on that one. Um, it's, it's so it's so cringe, but what 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 can you what can you do? <laughs> tourist tourist gonna tourist, which actually I think it was like more than two hundred million tourists in two thousand nineteen. Which you know when you look at the documentaries from CGTN, that's actually quite uh, that's actually quite. I mean, not that we should be careful about tourism as social progress, right? But like, it the 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 region was very was saw attacks every year from like nineteen ninety two thousand sixteen. So to have two hundred million yeah, people. I think 200 million people like visiting the region to that by, at, by the end of 2019, like in one year. Yeah. Uh, that's actually quite something. I mean, yeah. And uh, uh, I won't I won't say too much more than that because I mean the region is of course very complex. 
I guess when I'm, I guess that's when I'm, I guess that's what I get frustrated about. Cause like, even me who, who studied it for quite a while, uh, at least a decade at this point, um, like, um, there's just so much I don't know. Mm. There's just so much I can't know yeah. without there. And even when I go there, what, I mean, I think even Jerry Gray makes it very clear. Like you go there as a temporary presence, you know, you, there's, there's, there's thousands of problems in any locality, but for the most yeah, part, visiting not, a place is not, it does not give you enough perspective to really know. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think any of us will be the first to say, like, there are serious problems. I mean, even, I mean, like we just said earlier in this in this talk, like, Adrian Zenz's 2015 assertion of, like, excessive securitization. I mean, it's not like, I don't know if you find too many people who will take serious issue with that concern. I mean, me and Regan yeah. definitely, um, we, we 100% agree. There is, I mean, there is discrimination towards Uyghurs in China, like, yeah, that's 100%. I mean, but yeah. it's not, We've actually like, just talked about that in a recording of an episode that's yeah. coming out in, like, two days where we... Yeah, but talk about exaggerating the, it as like mass murder, like equivalent to the Holocaust. That's just offensive in to many people. Um, yeah, to and, it just, you know, cost. and like yeah. I said, like, it just it just directs attention. This whole like international human rights, like I I've started to witness. It's just a funnel. It's a funnel away yeah. from the United States' own failures. And the perfect response to that is what about ism? Which is frustrating because it's like no, you are an American taxpayer. Your tax paying your your taxes are going to bombing Iraq, starving Syria, starving Yemen. Like, and also uh, influencing Uyghurs. <laughs> right. So you are you are complicit in this, and I don't understand what else can I get you to to understand that. And when I when I hear people read read land acknowledgement statements about like how they're on unceded land, it's like, do you even take ten seconds to think about that? What does it mean if you're on unceded land? I mean, it takes me two seconds. It means you're an illegitimate presence. I yep. mean, there's a, there's a lot more nuance yeah. to it than that, of course. But, like, the basic fact is that if you are not indigenous to this region and you're on un- unceded land, that means you're illegally here by the United States' own standards. Like, can you think about that for a second? What does that mean? Then why are you still here? Why are you still profiting? Why are you building your career off of giving this performative land announcement statement? It really drives me off the wall more than, more than anything, even more than the Xinjiang narrative. Because it's just like, you know, you're just not thinking. You know, you, yeah, you, they 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 do it as performative. Um, you know, just a, a lot of them do it for their own view. It's, like it's just anarchists. a career building. You know, if you just yeah. told me you want to look good for like your friends, fine. Just tell me that so I don't bother you anymore. But if you're gonna give me some some uh, some crap about like wanting to speak truth to power, like you can you can you can sod right off because there's a lot <laughs> of issues. There's a lot of issues here in this country, and we could use a lot of attention. But you know, if you're gonna scream about if you're going to scream out Xinjiang after watching a John Oliver video and reading Human Rights Watch. Uh, it's <laughs> sad that think... everyone takes this random British dude with a very annoying accent as 100% truth, like whatever he talks. And I mean, he does a lot of good domestic stuff, but... Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to rail on it too much because I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really watch that kind of stuff too often. But just the fact that, like, uh, this, just the fact that, like, for somebody, like, it's insulting to me personally, too, having been to, like, Qinghai, having been to Tajikistan, having seen, like, Central Asia. Because even Qinghai, to an extent, is Central Asia. And yeah, pretty, no, pretty much. It's um, not even part of China yeah. proper. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's an internal like, region. Yeah. So having been to adjacent region, and I will, I will freely admit, I don't know what's happening in Xinjiang. I haven't been there. I can't comment on Xinjiang. I make that very clear all the time. And yet, and yet, you, and yet these people still think they know China better than me yeah i mean we, we talked about in, in another recording me and regan um you know you got that go young guy he's actually born lived right. his whole life and he's right. just getting that mongolian guy's getting attacked by everyone uh, for talking about his life yeah yeah that was that's the saddest one that just uh, you know like i feel bad for the guy mm. but uh I, he but he is he is as you say a a, a dude of integrity <laughs> <laughs> is that Sorry. what i sound like no it is you know, to me, when you say dude, it sounds like you have an umlaut over the years. So it's like it did. Like I, I have never. I have, it, it takes me effort to say to say did, and then like oh, integrity is just like I don't know. I, had I to can't remember. You live in California, dude. Should be in your blood by now. <laughs> what What did no, I say in uh, Texas? Like, oh, uh, well, I can't. Hey, I can't is that it? Or? I, you know, I can't do a Texan accent, but I can tell you that y'all, yeah, we say y'all all the time. Oh. And so when I left Texas, I actually wanted to get rid of y'all because I, I, I mean, for, for a lot of reasons, I don't like Texas. <laughs> so, uh, so, and so, then you need to get a surfboard and you need to get down to that fucking California beach, wax it up. Uh, California's, you know, what, what, what I was, what I was alluding to earlier, like 
yes, I don't have to deal with rednecks anymore in Texas, but in some ways these these urban bleed hearts are even worse. Like, at <laughs> le- here's the thing. At least at least with Texans, and like, take it from somebody who grew up in Texas. Somebody might be racist to you. Somebody might think you have an inferior race. But like, but like, strangely, very strangely, that doesn't that doesn't preclude them from giving you individual respect, mm. which I will never, yeah. I will never understand. I will never understand that dynamic in terms of like, I think you are an inferior culture, but you are cool, and you and I will talk to you as an equal because that happens in Texas all the time. But once you get to California, I mean. Everyone, you know, Asian Americans. This is one of the pointless arguments that we always have. But uh, I would, uh, dare, I would, dare, no, I would dare say that California is worse because people in California, they say they support Asian issues, they're progressive, but then they never talk to you. And then when you actually bring up an Asian issue, they don't engage. They just and they just kind of snub you. Yeah, and they but, never. But, you know, um, in, I mean, in Melbourne, it's a sad. Like it's very. It, Melbourne's sort of like the. The hippie, hippie land of Australia. Like, everyone's progressive here, apparently. Right. They have the most Nazis per capita in Australia. Um, but anyway, so we got we got these, you know, Asians. They, they're they like, yeah, I really care about... Um, they basically care about anything that Americans care about. That's on John Oliver. Right. But they're like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, mate. I really care about the the Black Lives Matter. And they go in and then they're like, yeah, I care about this and that and this and that. But then the next day, they go around like, you know... Um, saying something really racist about the indigenous people in Australia themselves. You know? Right. right. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, they can't think for themselves and they just do it all to perform, to look, to look good in front of their mates. Yeah. It's all about Instagram it's, posts. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 Well, with that said, you know, the, you know, the biggest lesson takeaway from all of this is go vote for Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah. She's half Indian. Is it? Or, or Tamil? Yeah. Tamil. Yeah. Which uh, she was, San Francisco politician, I believe. So I think she did go from like San Francisco to California politician to like throwing her hat in the ring for president to VP nominee in like less than a decade. Which I was just watching her <laughs> her interview on the Breakfast Club where she was talking to like uh, a bunch of black DJs. Oh, Charlamagne um, the God, DJ Envy, Angelique. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh man, maybe I could be like this one day. <laughs> 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 but um she was just she just had an act on it she was just lying the whole time she's joking about smoking weed and stuff and listening to and what, what is it again snoop dog or snoop dog and just dodging questions and uh you know i mean the thing is i guess she's better at that than joe biden is and uh, but joe biden's funny though like he's like come on man i thought you liked me man and we're like oh that's hilarious can't uh, wait for the debates <laughs> well, y'all, y'all actually know a lot more than I do because I have long lost interest in electoral politics. Because I mean, as a Chinese, oh, as of a course, Chinese, yeah, as a Chinese in the United States, you don't actually see anything change. Like every four years, the the country becomes hella racist against China and Chinese people, you know, and like every you know, nothing ever gets yeah. addresses. We're still at war, you know, nothing changes. So, is your background from Hong Kong originally? Or? I'm not actually originally from Hong Kong, but that's that is that is my background. Parents, yeah. 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 That means you obviously have a lot to say about that. It was hard uh, to keep Hold on, wait, wait. We're just we're hitting an hour now, so let's um let's save this one and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that another time, eh? Because yeah. I think we'll be on again. Like, so, yeah. Um, right. yeah. Real good having you on the show, man. Yeah, and thank you so much again. I know I kind of blabbered a bit, but it was no, no, that was great, man.
心。